New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Hello again, dear ones. Dr. Robert with you here on a Friday evening. It's five o'clock on the Mountain Time Zone, and that means it is time for the good news. That weekly look at some of the news stories I have found that remind me we really are creating a world that works better for all. That's all life. Thank you for being with me this evening. So grateful you're here. Hello, Wayne. Anyone else that's watching, feel free to chat along, chime along, drop a comment, let me know you're here. Love to acknowledge you and recognize that you're with us here this evening. And hey, if uh, you know of a good news story you think we should be covering, by all means, send us an email, goodnews at ntmedia.org, or if you'd like to uh, come on the show and, and uh, share a good news story yourself some evening. Let me know. We might be able to work that out. Hey, hey, there's a familiar name. Good evening, my brother. I say that literally. Good to see you. Glad you're with us here as well. All right. First up this evening, Chinese scientists have some experimental sponges they're playing with. Now, they've made these out of starch and gelatin, and they can soak up the microplastics. Now, we talk about microplastics in our oceans and our waterways and uh, quite a bit here on this program. And here's another new solution to the microplastic problem. Uh, the simple invention is, as I said, made from gelatin and cornstarch. It's able to remove up to 90% of micro and nanoplastic particles from environmental and food matrices, including seawater, tap water, soil surfacants, and even lunch. Yes, they can pull the microplastics out of your soup. A chemist at the Zurich University of Applied Scientists, Christian Aldhart, that's been working on similar technology in Switzerland, uh, said that one of the best ways to use these sponges would be to throw one or two into your washing machine. You know, our synthetic clothing has been proven to shed tiny fibers, which end up in the water supply we could stop all of it right there at the source. Just throw a couple of these sponges into your laundry. All kinds of great ideas out here, folks. And that's what we're about here on The Good News. 
is sharing the good stories uh, that share that let us know there's there's more happening than just the the ugly news. And we get a lot of our stories over at the goodnewsnetwork.org. They do a great job of curating good news stories. So please head on over to that website after this broadcast and let them know uh, that you're with them. Show them some love and support as well. All right. Next up, we're going to stay in the oceans for this one. Robots that look like manta rays will be uh, eventually will be sinking seaweed to the ocean floor in an effort to ho- uh, absorb carbon. A robotics company, Seaweed Generation, is making manta ray-shaped robots that drown seaweed and lock away the carbon at the bottom of the ocean. Seaweed absorbs more that CO2 than rainforest, and billions of tons of the stuff are now routinely washing up on the beaches. We've reported on the sargassum, excuse me, the sargassum seaweed that's been washing up in Mexico uh, due to changes in the Gulf Stream, and uh, all kinds of interesting ways this sargassum is being used. Well, this is another one. Uh, algae ray is what they're calling it. And it's described as a Roomba meets Pac-Man. It collects up the seaweed, takes it down to the bottom of the seafloor where the sun can't reach it, and where the ocean pressures crush its buoyancy. The seaweed is no longer able to photosynthesize. It dies and leaves the carbon trapped on the seafloor. Patricia Estridge, the founder of the of the algae ray, uh, told the hustle: "Sargassum is an opportunity to remove billions of tons of carbon dioxide every year. The eventual final robot will be about 32 feet long, functioning autonomously uh, on solar power. However, they do have a short-term plan to deploy deploy around 10 of these in the Gulf of Mexico to get to work as soon as possible." The long-term plan is to manage a fleet of over a thousand full-size algae rays and make those available to corporate partners, governments, uh, and they believe that this could take care of all the sargassum in the seas. Like others, Estridge believes that utilizing seaweed in as many supply chains as possible should be a top priority for the global economy because along with having so many myriad uses, it's a valuable tool in the fight against climate change. Pretty cool stuff. If you ask me, the algae ray, pulling seaweed and pulling carbon out of the water. Uh, I love it. Hey, here's another interesting story we found. We're on a real water kick here tonight, folks, in our early, uh, in uh, these uh, sessions. Let's, uh, first off, take a look at what's happening in the UK. Now, Britain was once a paradise of oysters and one conservation group's hopes that they'll be able to continue their pioneering work so that it can be a paradise again. The Wild Oyster Project is located in the United Kingdom. It just released 10,000 oysters to live in the wild, undisturbed lives off the coast, off the northern coast of England near Newcastle. Uh, Now, oysters are a vital part of the marine ecosystem because of the amount of water they can filter every day. 
and that's all just so that they survive. A single oyster can filter 50 gallons of water per day. That's over 100 liters, cleaning out nitrogen and other pollutants. The reef also forms a natural and important breakwaters that reduce storm impact on the shores. The Wild Oyster Project built up an artificial reef made, of, made out of 827 tons of scallop shells and stones in an effort to mimic the natural materials of oyster reefs. That was all before they released these oysters into the wild. Native oysters are ecosystem engineers, which means that change and improve, that means they change and improve the environment around them. That's according to Matt Utley, the restoration project manager at the Blue Marine Foundation. According to the press release by the Zoological Society of London, native oysters create a structurally complex three-dimensional habitat which supports an abundance of other marine life and is intrinsically linked with ecosystem biodiversity. Manager Celine Gamble of the Wild Oyster Project is quoted as saying, today marks an important milestone in our journey to restore native oyster reefs to British coastlines. We're optimistic that the 10,000 oysters will thrive, reproduce, and grow on the new reef, which is the size of a, a British football pitch. And we look forward to carefully monitoring their progress over the coming months. The Wild Oyster Project has so far released more than a billion oyster larvae. And they main restoration reefs in six marinas around England. Good work from the Wild Oyster Project. I love seeing this story. Good news all around. And the good news continues in the U.S. Now, this is another story that we have reported on previously here on the Good News uh, on New Thought Media Network. Uh, you may remember that we are working uh, as a collective to remove the dams across the Klamath River. After 20 years now of advocacy and legal challenges, the largest dam removal in history is returning the Klamath River in California to its natural state. Now, this is in partnership with tribal nations, and the demolition of four hydroelectric dams will allow wild salmon from the Pacific to run upstream and spawn again. That hasn't happened in just over 100 years. This week, the Klamath River Renewal Corporation began preparing a stretch of river to flow freely for the first time in over a century. The soon-to-be-dismantled Klamath Hydroelectric Project has blocked fish passage, and altered river flow in the place once sacred to the Shasta Indian Nation. The Klamath Dam Removal Project broke ground in June of 2023 after the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission issued the approval that allowed construction crews to get to work on the deconstruction of Popco No. 2 Dam due to be fully removed by the end of, well, of September, so that's just passed. Uh, Iron Gate, J.C. Boyle, and Copco Number One dams will be deconstructed next year in what is considered the largest salmon restoration project in history. Mark Branson, CEO of the Renewal Corporation, said seeing the re revitalization of this river canyon is incredible. This month's demolition work is promising not only the return of ancestral ways of life for the various tribes on the Klamath River, but a robust increase in commercial salmon fishing because the salmon runs are less than 5% of their historic abundance. The Klamath salmon are coming home.
proclaimed Yorick, Chair, uh, Yorick Chairman Joseph James. The people have earned this victory, and with it, we carry on a sacred duty to the fish that have sustained our people since the beginning of time. What a great story, folks. These are the kinds of good news stories I love to share. However, I do need to share a quick break with our sponsors and let you know a little bit more about some of the organizations at, that are supporting New Thought Media Network through their sponsorship. Please stay with us. we got more good news coming up in just a minute right after this commercial break. absolute truth. You are a gift, a blessing to the world, a way that the infinite love of God shines itself, shares itself, and expresses itself more fully in the world. You are a gift and a blessing. Please take that seriously. Take it as your honor. Take it as your opportunity to be a light that shines for others. Be that bright light of God's love that's the truth of who you are, and enjoy it, because you deserve it. back with more of the good news here on the New Thought Media Network. Thank you for being with us, folks. Please do hit the like, share, and subscribe buttons. Let your friends and family know what we're doing out here, sharing the good news in the world. In our second segment, we're going to turn to the world of science. From the world of nature to the world of science, I want to add in here just a little bit here this evening and introduce you to a new idea. Chemical engineers are pioneering a process to equip diesel ships with the onboard capacity to turn collected plastic garbage into fuel. Now, this is another story we report on here quite often is the cleanup of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The, the, this new technology is being dubbed blue diesel and would save time, money, and emissions by cutting down the number of trips necessary for ocean cleaning vessels to reach the mainland to offload the waste plastic and refuel. Team members and fifth-year PhD candidate Elizabeth Belden said that the technology would also be especially useful in rivers since they would require less fuel to navigate on and since the overwhelming majority of plastic in the oceans enters the oceans via major river systems. The next challenge will be to creatively structure the portfolio of the public policy responses of collecting and removing plastic waste, 
including the impact on marine and human health. We will have to have reliable, rigorous scientific responses to inform and incentivize. That's again, according to uh, PhD candidate Elizabeth Belden. What a great idea. Let's take the plastic, turn it into fuel right there on the ship. The ship can stay out at sea longer. Doesn't have to come back into the mainland. Doesn't have to refuel. Good stuff happening in the world of biochemicals. Hey, here's another great story that we found. Uh, now, this one is also something that we've reported on in the past. Uh, we're talking about vaccines for malaria in Africa. A new vaccine from Oxford called R21 has been shown to be not only effective for the prevention of malaria in children, but also makes it easier, is also easier to make, has a lower price tag, and will protect help protect a greater number of African countries. The World Health Organization officially re recommended the R21 Matrix M vaccine this week. Now, this follows a uh, approval back in 2021, which we also reported on here of the RTSSASO1 vaccine. I have no idea why they give these vaccines those numbers. <laughs> Both are, are shown to be safe and effective in preventing malaria in children and deadly diseases that killed over 619,000 people in 2021 alone. At least 28 African countries plan to introduce one of the malaria vaccines as part of their national immunization programs with the Vaccine Alliance uh, providing technical and fi financial support to this effort in over 18 countries. The RTSS vaccine will be rolled out in some African countries in early 2024, and the R21 will become available in later in the year of 2024. Good news! For those living in Africa and at risk of the malaria, the, the malaria virus. Hey, here's another, this one. Wow. Oh my God. This is really crazy. An exciting advance from Oxford University has raised this prospect of tailoring stem cells quickly to treat brain injuries in humans by essentially 3D printing brain cells. There's a lot of science involved here. Uh, in experiments, the implanted cells integrated into the animal's brain, both structurally and functionally. We're testing on mice here. The innovative study published by the journal Nature Communications marks the first time neural cells have been 3D printed to mimic the architecture of the cerebral cortex. The success of the study, part of a 10-year span of published research, on 3D printing cultured cells and synthetic tissues has increased hopes that similar technology could one day be used to treat brain injuries. In this study, researchers used 3D printing techniques to create a two-layered brain tissue using human neural stem cells. When implanted into the brains of mice, these cells encouragingly showed a convincing structural and functional integration with the host tissue despite the species differences. The cells were then dipped into a solution to generate two bio-inks, which were then printed to produce a two-layered structure that was maintained for weeks. The work will provide a unique opportunity to explore the workings of the human cortex, and in the long term, it'll offer hope to individuals who sustain brain injuries. 3D printing of brain cells. Oh my gosh. 
what are we going to think of next? <laughs> Good news happening all about. And remember, folks, if you find a good news story you'd like to share, send it to us. Good news at ntmedia.org. We would love to hear from you. We're going to take another quick break and say hello to a couple more of our sponsors, as well as our organizational sponsors and individual donors. However, please don't go away. Stay with us. We got a whole nother segment. And as we do every week, we'll be sharing our hero of the week shortly. But right now, stay with us. We'll be right back in just a minute or so. Help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors, including the Hefferlin Foundation, Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, One Heart Retreats, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center, Kitchener, Home Center for Spiritual Living, La Mesa, Satya Center, Center for Spiritual Living, North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, and Center for Spiritual Living, Seattle, as well as all of our individual donors. Thank you for making New Thought Media Network a place to be. Please come be you. And remember, like, share, and subscribe. New Thought Media Network, positively inspiring. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our organizational sponsors and individual donors for helping to make this network possible and helping us to share not only the good news, but the New Thought philosophy around the world. If you'd like to become part of our organi- our family, please head on over to the website, ntmedia.org, hit the donate button, make it a monthly donation, and we'll include your name in the next version of our thank you video. All right, back into the good news here on a Friday evening. I'd like to introduce you to Keith Corbin. Now, Keith uh, is a two-time James Beard award-winning chef. And he got his start while in prison. Corbin spent 10 years in prison and combined with his career, uh, has, now has a restaurant, Alta Adams. He knows that it takes up it, what it takes to make good food out of anything. He would often order all sorts of things into the prison commissary to try to add some flavor to the bland food that he was forced to cook uh, while in prison. Corbin's making a new way for himself as an award-winning chef, as well as, and this whole uh, article that I found uh, highlighted a couple others as well. The ex-con chef Michael Carter is an executive at Down North Pizza in Philadelphia. 
He employs only formerly incarcerated men or returning citizens, as he calls them, and offers them halfway or low-income housing with an apartment building located above his pizza shop. And get a job and a place to live all at the same time from Michael Carter. Thank you, Michael, for that. Uh, his pies have made the New York Times best pizza list and won the best of Philly in 2021 category for square pies, make square pies. Uh, now, back to after Carter was released from a 12-year sentence, he took a class for resume writing for food professionals and asked what experience he had. He replied that he cooked in prison for 2000 and got the job the next week. Corbin's Restaurant serves food born for, of those two worlds. And at Down North, Carter's for-profit yet mission-driven restaurant hires returning citizens at $15 per hour, double the state's minimum wage, and about $3 above the norm for starting uh, restaurant workers in the area. The last entrepreneur the article featured was Chef Sharon Richardson. She spent 20 years in prison in New York, but now runs Just Soul Catering, which employs formerly incarcerated women. Richardson's food service was a healing event in, in prison and highlighted one story in particular where the woman on her block stayed up late to cook for her after her mother died of a stroke. Good people doing good work and making yummy food to boot. All right, next up, I want to introduce you. Whoops. There we are. Uh, oh, no. I went the wrong way. Here we go. Uh, we reported on a similar story to this not long ago where an anonymous surfer helped to save some animals from the ocean. Well, it's happened again, this time in New Jersey. An anonymous surfer uh, spotted a, a deer trying to swim in an unusual eddy. Uh, Adriana Tully is the photographer who spotted it all and took this picture. At first, she told the news outlet she thought it was a bird and just kind of left. After a while, realized that it was a buck. Surfers in the area said it was very turbulent waters, and they're not sure that the, the buck would have survived without help. However, the surfer, the anonymous surfer, has yet to come forward. No one's really sure who he might have been. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you for your good work. And speaking of service, wow, Captain Joshua Haberman from the 60th Air Evacuation Squadron, was recently hiking Yosemite's Half Dome, and he saw a climber slip on wet conditions and fall perhaps as much as 80 feet onto a very precarious ledge. Haberman and other hikers were at a section of the hike where, in order to pass up solid granite, a series of cables embedded into the rock are necessary for safety and leverage. If they don't have a harness, rope, and carabiners to secure themselves to the cables, hikers are left simply holding on to them or using them as handholds. Now, when Haberman saw the other cl climber fall, without hesitation, he took action. And he made a decision to venture outside the permanent cable barriers and help the fallen climber. His climbing experience and extensive medical training proved invaluable in this life-or-death situation. He made a splint out of sticks found in the area, were able to signal park rangers. It took about 45 minutes for park rangers to reach the men. During that time, a helicopter pilot was dispatched who happened to be on his first day. The pilot was able to make a landing. They got the passenger loaded and 
brought him to safety. Wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Good work, gentlemen. Way to jump into action. And hey, as promised, it's now time for our Hero of the In Lapore, Indiana, a pair of police officers are being recognized as life-saving heroes after they rescued a suicidal woman who was just a hand's breadth away from perishing. Ryan Helmesy and Taylor Atkinson, on the left and the right respectively, arrived at the I-35 overpass in northwest Indiana where a woman was threatening to jump. The bridge over a series of railroad tracks was flanked by sidewalks and a chain-link fence that had been put there early, years earlier to prevent just such an occurrence. As Atkinson and Helmesy arrived, the woman was already making her way down the other side of the fence, at which point the two men begged her not to jump. When it was clear she wasn't going to stop, Helmesy sprinted over to the fence, mounted in it, and grabbed the woman's hand. Then she let go. With nothing but air separating her feet from a 30-foot drop onto loose rocks and steel tracks, Atkinson arrived seconds later and grabbed her other arm. They held on like this for several minutes until a fire truck that had arrived under the overpass was able to provide a bucket to lower the woman into. They completely put their well-being aside to go over that fence and hang on. That's according to Laporte Police Chief Paul Breton. She was begging them to let go, but they would not do it. The chain link fence was installed there to protect potentially suicide people. Atkinson said he was surprised he had not heard of anyone making that leap in years. The two men were honored by the police department with special commendations and the occasionally used moniker of Spider-Man for their comic book style rescue. Thank you, gentlemen, for being our heroes of the week this week. That's about all I've got time for here tonight, folks, here on the New Thought Media Network. Thanks for being with us. Please stay tuned. Reverend Michael Mangus is up at 6 o'clock with the Fireside Chat just a half hour away. And, of course, we have our evening prayers at 8.15 to wrap up our broadcast day. On behalf of everyone here on New Thought Media Network, thanks for being a part of what we're doing. Thanks for sharing what we're doing. Let your friends and family know and be a part of what we're doing. Until next time, I wish you peace and richest blessings. Bye now.